Just Go With It is a podcast hosted by two millennials who swear. And also, it's about horror films, so listener discretion is advised. We will put specific content warnings in the show notes. Boo! Hello, welcome to Just Go With It, a podcast where we talk about how society influences our favorite and sometimes least favorite horror movies, and then we also give them arbitrary ratings. I'm Nikki. And I'm Kate. And today we're going to talk about It Follows. I said that really excitedly for a movie that's really weird. (laughs) Yeah, just a little bit weird. But before we get into that, do you want to tell us some background info on the movie? Oh, I so do. Uh, so the first thing I wrote was, this was directed by a man, question mark, because it surprised me. Um, his name was David Robert Mitchell. Which... That's three first names. Three first that's, names. That's excessive. Um, Save some excessive. for the rest of us. <laughs> Sir, please. Sorry. Um, and I, I don't know if it was his first movie. I didn't really look to see what other things he had like worked on. But um, I think this was like his first feature film. I think he did shorts. I'm not positive. But this came out in 2014. Um, and then Mike... Gialakis, Gialakis, I don't know how to pronounce it. If anyone does know how to pronounce it, let me know so I can say it correctly. Um, he did the cinematography, which I loved, which is why I specifically wrote it down. Um, and then other than cinematography, I wrote down who did the music because I loved the music. It was Chef's Kiss. Um, so it was done by Disasterpiece. His real name is Rich Reland, but he's like an electronic artist. And I said when I was watching it that it sounded like like video game music almost. Like, have you ever played Oxenfree? Because it sounded like Oxenfree. Yeah. Which is, like, a really cool... It Actually, Oxenfree, like, I wrote it down. It reminded me of this specific movie because it was very, like, the beach and it was dark. And, yeah, so, real spooky. But he makes video game music. This guy does. So I was, like, oh, I was yeah. right. Yeah, so... Brilliant. I'm a genius. Um, Yeah, so... And I think the only other movie he's done was Under the Silver Lake, which I have not seen. Huh. But will watch just because of this because I really liked his music. Hell yeah. So yeah. So we have some background information. How about a synopsis of the movie, which I do know is one of your specialties. (laughs) Cruel. Yeah. (laughs) Giving a synopsis is like absolute hell. Let's do this. (laughs) Here's the fun thing. People don't know, but we've already done this once because of my sound fucking up. And I still don't know what to say. And you've read the synopsis to me. I still don't know. Um... I know that it's about a girl and she has like a boyfriend or she's going on dates with this guy and they have they have sex after like a few dates and he's like he's like real weird. I just want to point out during their dates, he's like real sketchy and she's still like, mm, it's okay. Which like I get it, you know. The things we, we overlook. Like, the things we overlook, you know? Yeah. The red flags of him being like, Oh, we should leave the movies. I'm not being weird and you're like being a little weird. Um so yeah, they they have sex and then he like drugs her and like takes her to this scary fucking parking garage and he's like, "Yo, this monster's going to follow you." Sorry. And she's like, "Uh, okay." And then he just like leaves her in the street, blah blah blah. And it's it's wild, it's buck wild and terrible. And she's like, "Hey guys, you know, there's a monster following me." To her friends, and her friends go, "No." And then, you know, they 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 quickly find out that there is indeed a monster following her. I guess a curse. Monster, curse, whatever. Eh. Um, so she's being followed. 
Yeah, so she's being followed by a curse monster. And it's terrifying because it can take the shape of, like, people she knows, people she doesn't know. Just creepy people. It only walks. It doesn't run. So that's weirdly more spooky. It ambles. I, I, would, I would prefer if it ran at me than <laughs> yeah. just walk. Because then it's like, well, you think you're better than me? Like, you think you can just <laughs> walk at me? I'm not going to be able to get away? Um, Is this a power move? Is this a power yeah, move? exactly. It was like, so you think you can catch me even walking? And they probably could because yeah. I'm a very sedentary person. I do <laughs> I not run. move a lot. I don't run. Um so, yeah, and so she, like, they set up traps, they try to catch the monster. She, like, kind of tries to pass it on, but, like, doesn't. Because that's another thing. If the person you pass it to dies, it just goes back to you. So, that's a bummer. Um, yeah, and then they try to they capture it. There's a lot of pools. I think there might only be two pools, but I feel like there's a lot of pools. There are, she's, in fact, two pools, but there are a lot of shots of those pools. She swims so. a lot. She this swims a lot. loves the water. She um, moodily looks upon the water a lot. She swims she does. in it. She almost she dies does. in it. Spoiler alert. You know, Classic. Water. Classic. You know. So, yeah, that that's what I took from it. I'm sure that they're, you're going to read the synopsis again, and I'm going to be like, oh, right. <laughs> that's what this movie's about. So your synopsis was a masterpiece. Thank I will you. also share one from Rotten Tomatoes. Great. After carefree teenager Jay sleeps with her new boyfriend, Hugh, for the first time, she learns that she is the latest recipient of a fatal curse that is passed from victim to victim via sexual intercourse. Death, Jay learns, will creep inexorably toward her, either oh, toward her as either a friend or a stranger. <laughs> <laughs> Jay's friends don't believe her seemingly paranoid ravings until they, too, begin to see the phantom assassins see? and band together to help her flee or defend herself. <clears throat> So I got that part right. Your friends don't believe her. Yeah. Um, those are the, we read the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Basically. No, those were carbon copies of each other. Exactly yeah. the same. You know, they might have plagiarized your synopsis. I don't want to say it. I don't want to accuse I, anyone. I didn't want to bring it up, but yeah. it did okay. sound like they copied me. Yeah, it does. It's okay. Um, yeah. So that's what the movie's about. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. I would say go watch it before you listen to this. Or if you really just want to be confused and yeah. I don't know go for a wild ride, then don't watch it. Follow your heart. I'm not going to boss you around. Um, okay, so I've told you a few facts, a few of my teeny tiny little facts, and I've given you a spot-on synopsis. That's my. Mm -hmm. That's two chef kisses so far. Oh, that's boy. a third. I know. That's how good I, I feel about this movie. Um, now, let's get some real facts from what I like to call Kate's Nerd Corner, <laughs> where Kate takes excessive and beautiful notes and actually gives us genuine facts about this movie. Not just about the movie, but just, like, about the themes of the movie and how society influences it. It is aptly named Kate's Nerd Corner because I am a nerd and this is where I will nerd out. I do want to preface it with um, kind of this thing. This is not the only way or the right way to enjoy horror films. There is no wrong way to enjoy horror unless you're, like... True recreating it with non-consenting folks that is a wrong way that's a wrong way <laughs> that's a wrong way i feel yeah. comfortable saying that's a wrong way and yeah, i will also say you know gotta double check with my lawyer but just go with it does not endorse that so we don't no we don't hard line um, on that but yeah like kate takes lots of notes and does lots of research i write down one page uh that says like two words and i go that's good i'm really enjoying this we are very different, but we both love horror the same amount. So 
So I was an AP English nerd and then grad school made that permanent. So this is just who I am now. This is what it is. I spent hours researching and I actually cut three pages of notes because I was like, no, 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 save it. Build to that. (laughs) I took two pages and I went, don't overdo it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just, I'm a nasty little gremlin, man. I I just, I write, I wrote it down so bad. Even I can't read it. So (laughs) I was like moving my notes to a different page and I was like, let them want more. Oh my god, I love it. All right, all right, take us away. <laughs> Whisk us away. <laughs> okay. <Kate's> Nerd Corner. <laughs> so in this particular iteration of Nerd Corner, I want to explore cultural context and historical influences. So one question I kept asking myself while watching, aside from why pools, was why pools? What's the point of focusing on urban blight in this film? Why is it brought into focus repeatedly? And then oh, in, yeah. Yeah. And then an it's article, in Detroit, yeah, right? Yep. Yeah. And that's actually where Mitchell is from. And oh! Yeah. Uh, not exactly the same area, I don't think. But right. I don't know shit about Michigan. I'm from Ohio. I don't either. We don't like that state. We don't anyway, like Michigan's, each other, apparently. Michigan's fine. Live pure, whatever it is. Yeah, I, I think it's fine. I don't it's know. It's great. Don't come for us. Don't, please. So I was wondering, I think I Googled, like, urban blight it follows. <laughs> because I was like, why? Uh, and then an article... <laughs> kindly reminded me when this movie was released and what happened only years prior. So as Nikki said, It Follows was released in 2014. Mitchell, however, did start writing it in 2011 and filming began in 2013. So what cultural events or contexts are important to understand? To answer oh, that, okay. let's journey back to 2008, even though I'm sure we'd rather not. Yeah, I was like, mm, okay, yeah, <laughs> a bold I'm gonna choice. I'm going to say, personally, 15 wasn't great for me, so... <laughs> I wasn't thriving. <laughs> no. I was getting through. Oh okay. my god. So, financial crisis, great recession, housing crisis. There are a lot of ways to refer to what happened from 2007 to 2009, but uh, you can call them any of those things. I'm sure there are many more. In the US, we officially entered the great recession in 2007, though many call it the 2008 financial crisis. And it was the most severe economic downturn Ooh. since the Great Depression in 1929. So, for the U.S., it officially ended in 2009, but here and across the globe, the effects were long-lasting. I know that in my hometown, it was felt severely and was compounded by the pullout of a major employer in our county. This ginormous um, shipping hub that was, like, air freight. Uh, So, my town is, like, 13,000 people, and this place employed like seven to 10,000 people in the Tri-County area, a lot were from my town. So then it pulled out and suddenly like (laughs) all the jobs were gone. Damn. Uh, So my town went from a 4% unemployment rate to 15%. So it was a rough time. That is a rough time. I'm not trying to brag, but 60 Minutes visited us to talk about how sad we were. And Rachel Ray redid our soup kitchen and did a Thanksgiving special in our hometown. <laughs> Thank you, Rachel Ray. Thank you, Rachel Ray. This is not endorsed <laughs> by Rachel Ray, but like, no. listen, it could be. Hit us Sponsor on, us. Rachel. Um, that's wild. See, I came from a town that was uh, our entire, like, we made our money based on tourism because I grew up, I like went to, I grew up in Florida. So like, you know tourism was basically how we got our money and it it never really stopped like so my town was not as hard hit by this I mean it probably was I mean I was a high school kid I didn't fucking pay attention but like 
I'm sure that it was just as bad, but like we never had that big of an issue because like old people love Florida and they're always going to love Florida. Yep. So yeah, there's, I don't want to like get too far into the weeds on this, mm-hmm. but certain parts of Florida will be underwater in like the next, you know, some decades and mm-hmm. people are still buying places in Florida. Like still. it's unstoppable. Like my family still lives in Florida. My like grandparents like bought a house in Florida recently and they're from here. Like they live in Ohio and I'm like, what? What are you gonna do with that? What are you gonna? Whatever. If they want to live in that horrible town, I'm sorry, people who are from Florida. It's totally fine. Florida's fine. I grew up in a pl- part of Florida that was not fine, so I have feelings about it. <laughs> but, a few feelings, yeah. Bad. A few. So I was only like 15 during the Great Recession. Yeah. But there was like this sense of dread and fear and hopelessness. You can see it in the adults. Um, college was already expensive. Would my family be able to afford it? Would the family owned business stay afloat? Would my friends have to move because their parents lost their jobs? God. Overall sense of foreboding and precarity reigned. And this was felt in communities across the U.S., though the media, much like this film, focused almost entirely on the white middle class experience. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Oh my God, you're right. Yeah. Anyone in this movie wasn't white. No, actually, like literally there is not a single character of color, which is actually a trope that I have for later. Uh, Oh, boy. Yeah. I'm going to dive into that another point. So anyway. (laughs) I'm excited. (laughs) Why is it relevant that this film was produced after a monumental financial collapse? After all, it follows is about a curse that passes through sex. Not exactly about investment bankers or whatever they're called. I don't know what they're called. Eat the rich and all that. So to (laughs) answer that... (laughs) I think first it's important to ask how society understands its own fears and anxieties through metaphor and symbolism, particularly in horror. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of ways to say that something is a product of its time. Often it's used to avoid apology for insensitivities and blatant oppression. But in this case, (laughs) in this case, I'm focusing on the question, what were the central anxieties of this period? How is this movie a product of its time? So to give an example, in the 1950s, there was a lot of fear over nuclear testing and nuclear war. Wonder why. And (laughs) there were also broader fears around space and scientific advancement, especially because there had been like debut technology that was horrifically efficient in the most recent world war. And there was also this fear of differing ideologies, which is explored a lot. (laughs) Yeah. So we see that anxiety reflected in movies like The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms and yeah. It Came from Beneath the Sea. Kate's blowing my mind right now. And people can't see my face, but my jaw's just been open for like five minutes. Because like, I didn't think about any of this. I was just like, cool, cool movie. Love the lighting. <laughs> this is wild to me. Oh, man. I Okay. So I'm tempted to go decade by decade. I'm not going to do that right now. But you can break down like the central anxieties of like each period and point to specific horror movies that like reflect these cultural anxieties we're gonna we're gonna add a patreon tier that's just you going decade by decade so if you guys want to hear kate go decade by decade you can sign up we start off with analysis anxiety versus fear because they're different anyway they're different so in The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms and It yeah. Came from Beneath the Sea, both of these mm. featured monsters that were irritated and or awoken by atomic testing and came to share their sentiments on the fact. So Wild. going back. Yeah. So going back to the recurring motif of decay and ever-present dread. There are so, yeah. so many readings of it follows. And they're almost all valid. <laughs> but wow. a few that I'm interested in are these. So... A lot of folks call it like the entity, the it mm-hmm. that follows. Oh, and right. I pref- okay, yeah. yeah. I prefer to call it the entity 
because saying it, I find confusing with Pennywise, <laughs> but <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> so The entity. The entity. So I think a few readings are the entity represents economic anxiety that was ratcheted up due to the Great Recession. Or yeah. it could stand in for the ever-present and crushing nature of capitalism as a force of oppression. Or possibly the passing along of the curse is symbolic of the financial crisis being passed along to millennials who are emerging <gasps> from the school into a crashed market with no jobs to be found, only broken promises. Oh my god, this makes the movie like ten times scarier in my opinion because I'm like, oh no, I don't <sighs> want that burden. <laughs> so... I think a reading of the entity as some form of economic anxiety dovetails really well with the recurring motifs of the end of innocence, the lost childhood. And we yeah. can get more into those motifs. But like when you see um, her plucking flowers when she's in the yeah. car with you, like I love that the plucking scene. of the flowers often symbolic of the end of childhood. Right. And uh, after she is attacked in the kitchen or mm -hmm. followed scarily in the kitchen right. by the entity – she steals a neighbor's like undersized bike, like a child's bike, You're, and oh bikes God, to the does. playground. And so she's like reclaiming aspects of childhood in like this way to flee adulthood or Yeah, like going back to yeah. where she felt safe as a kid mm -hmm. to avoid Oh my god. Yeah. So we've talked <laughs> oh, society. No. Let's talk horror. Yeah, okay. Um so it's so funny. Okay, so like everything you said makes way more sense than like what I've written down because I wrote all my notes before I heard any of this so I guess the one thing that I wrote down that I thought the you know the entity was supposed to be before I knew all this this is probably gonna sound stupid now no. but I I thought it was interesting because it almost felt like um like a way that like to shame the woman for enjoying yeah. sex because that's I mean that's a thing is that like men can enjoy sex totally fine mm -hmm. But then when a woman does it, it's like, oh, whoa, that's, oh, you can't do that. Yeah. So it almost felt like they, like, turned, like, the scrutiny that women get for enjoying sex into, like, an actual monster that can, like, follow them. That's what it felt like to me when I was yeah. watching it. But then at the same time, it, it that that is kind of taken away by the fact that, like, there are men in the movie who, like, the same thing happens to. So it felt like that at first. But then I guess the longer you watch, the more you're like, eh, maybe not. Because I guess it happens to everyone. So now that you've explained that, that just makes more sense. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I think there are a lot scarier. of valid readings. Like, I think that there's totally a reading where it's like the cultural discomfort with women's sexuality. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, it's just, ugh. It was just a good movie. Uncomfortable to watch at times, for sure. Just because of the whole, oh, this poor girl. Like... It made me so mad when I was watching it because the man, Hugh, I think his name is, has, like, no problem passing this on to her. Like, that is his plan from the start. Once he finds out that this is, like, a problem, he's like, well, I gotta pass it on. That's what I gotta do. And, like, he gets a whole plan, makes a date. He courts this girl. I say court like I'm in fucking 1800. <laughs> but he, he does. Like, he takes her on dates. Asks yeah. permission. <laughs> he's like, yes, we'll go on a date to the circus. I brought no, flowers. Like, <laughs> he does. To the circus. <laughs> But they, that's where people go on dates in the 1800s, yeah. the circus, right? Yeah. Sure. They, you know, they throw peanuts at elephants. Don't mm -hmm. do that. Peanut, they, elephants don't like that. Um, <laughs> but, Advocate for elephants, Nikki. Yeah, that's me. Uh, but they go on dates and stuff, and he, like, plans this clearly to the point where he, like, rented an apartment. Like, he had all of these things planned out, went to a town that he knew people wouldn't know him. Whereas when she gets this curse, her first instinct is, like, to be scared. But also, like, it's not to pass it to anybody. Like, she thinks about it for so long 
because she's like, that's not right. Like, she's like, I can't do this to somebody else. And it just, to me, that was so interesting because I was like, a man's first instinct is, I'll get rid of this. I'll give it to some girl, whatever. Whereas the girl was like, that ain't right. Like, I'm not going to do that. And And something that's (sighs) wild is I don't think she was the first person he passed it to. Oh, no. So he knew. Annie. That if you... The very first, the person that, like, the opening scene is. The girl. Someone else pointed this out. It was not I that noticed this. But uh, the photo they find of you in the porno (gasps) magazine, it has... the girl. Yeah. And that's the girl that dies in the first scene. And he says, he mentions, he's like, oh, well, if you die, it comes back for me. Because he knows. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that's just another girl that he, I mean, I'm assuming it was probably if there's pictures of them, like a girlfriend or someone that he was like dating. But still, like he had no problem. He was just like, oh, well, she died. Got to give this to someone else. Yeah. And the whole movie, it made me mad. The whole movie. Because she thinks so hard about it. Like even people who are offering to do it, she's like, no, I I don't want to do that. And this guy was just like, I don't care. Oh, yeah. I was furious. I was furious the whole time. <laughs> well, that's so valid because this movie really dissects, like, consent. And, like, the cops at one point, like, after she gets dropped off in the street by Hugh, like, I think mm-hmm. still, like, bound and just in her underwear. She's, I like... I think she's... Yeah, she's not bound, I don't think, okay. but she is just, like, in her underwear. Like, yeah. she doesn't have her clothes. No. He literally leaves her in front of her house on the street, and her friends are, like, outside playing a card game, which it yeah. might not be the scene, but at one point, the card game they're playing is Old Maid, in which there yeah, are no winners, there's only a loser. Yeah, it is this one. Which I think really ties in Another like, chef no- That's yes. the fourth. <laughs> it was uh, really great. So when the cops talk to her, they're like, and it was consensual, and you just see her kind of, like, nodding mutely, and it wasn't because she didn't have full disclosure like it was not exactly a consensual oh i was like, so upset at that part too yeah. because it it also felt like they were just like not necessarily i mean they probably weren't blaming her but it was very much like well like what are we gonna do you said you wanted to do this and it was like yeah but i didn't know that he had a fucking curse like yeah that's not i also didn't know he was going to chloroform me tie me to a wheelchair and then dump exactly. me on the street so, like, there were a lot of levels <laughs> to how fucked you, up it was. You but, cannot like, give no. consent when you don't have the whole story. Right. And I was furious when they were like, well, was it consensual? And I was like, no. Oh, no. Yeah. That's something made me so mad. that I teach for my job is that consent is fries, freely given, reversible, informed. And, you know, the ES. It's important, right. too. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. it's, like, enthusiastic and specific, but informed. She was not informed of what all no. this entailed. So it wasn't consensual. And that Ugh. theme comes back, like, even more aggressively when you see Greg die. We haven't talked about Greg yet. He sucks. Oh, right. Uh, Greg. Yeah. I honestly forgot his name because I was like, this guy sucks. Like, <laughs> I just so kept hard. calling him the bad neighbor. I was like, oh, this bad neighbor. He's basically the epitome of the male gaze in this movie because he yeah. literally ogles all of the women. Every single Every woman. Single woman. And he literally has that whole white knight thing where he's mm-hmm. like, well, I'll just can't. He doesn't believe her. But he's like, well, if I say I believe her or even if I don't, I'll say that I can save her. And then, you know, I'll get what I want. Yeah. And and he does. And he does. But then he gets his comeuppance and I didn't feel bad. <laughs> I feel I was like, no, nope, sorry, Greg. Bye. <laughs> no. And like, like, there's a scene where he's like surrounded by laughing girls at a table. Mm-hmm. And I keep wondering if like Yara and like Paul mm-hmm. and Kelly are asking him like, you haven't seen anything. He's like, no, I haven't seen anything. Was he sleeping with a lot of other girls 
and they were killed off one by one, and that's why he hadn't seen anything. <sighs> because Maybe, like, it doesn't leave anyone alone for that long. Well, see, and that's the other thing about this movie, is that there is not a super distinct timeline. Mm-mm. Like, there's no distinct time period. We oh know my that, god, yes. Which is, like, one of my favorite things that movies do, is when everything's kept so vague... And just, it's like that uncanny valley of, like, mm. this could be modern, this couldn't be, I don't know what this is, but I liked it. Like, I loved, that was one of my favorite parts. But there's also no distinct timeline, so you really don't, I don't think, someone could correct me, maybe they say, but I don't know if they ever say how long Greg has had this. So, like, there's no way to really know if he's just, like, passing it along and that's why he hasn't seen it. Or if he's just, they happen to be far away when he got it, I don't know, but... yeah. And I feel like maybe part of the timelessness, like, I do want to talk separately mm-hmm. about how there's no distinct time period setting for yeah. the movie, because that's fucking fascinating. But so also, good. maybe the lack of distinct mm-hmm. timeline is reflective of the fact that she's not sleeping. <laughs> All days oh, are, like, too. blending into each other, and she's in, like, a fugue state. And, right. Yeah. You're kind of experiencing that with her, which is really interesting. Yeah. Because I don't think we see her really sleep. Nope. Like, the whole time. I mean, you really don't. Like, she's just... Oh, that poor thing. She's so scared. (laughs) You really felt for her the whole time. And she's, like, watching and she's, like, paying attention for Greg, even though he's so shitty. He doesn't care. Like, he doesn't give a shit. And she's still, like, watching out her window for, like, hours to make sure he's okay. And he doesn't deserve it. He doesn't deserve it. But whatever. But, yeah. It was infuriating. Um, Because he finds her at the, what, the playground? Yeah. And then he, like, drives them around, and that's how he kind of gets involved. And then there's Paul. Oh my god, Paul. Yeah, like, I have mixed feelings about Paul. This movie has a good way of, like, kind of showing many different aspects of, like, shitty men, in my opinion. Because you've got, like, Greg, who's just in it for sex. He's got one thing that he cares about, and it's just, like, I don't really care what your situation is. I'm gonna get what I want to get. And then you've got Hugh, who is, like, I know the situation, and I'm gonna do everything in my power to do what's best for me and I don't care about you then you have Paul who is this like manic pixie dream girl in love with this girl his whole life thinks that this is like I'm gonna save her and then she'll know that like we were meant to be in love this whole time and there's that scene where she's like really upset and he like touches her hand and he's like I you know I've always loved you and I'm like read the room Paul I wrote that in my notes I wrote read the room Paul because I was like I know that you love this girl or at least you think you do this is not what she needs right now no he they did a good job of making you hate every man he barely touches her fingers and then he leans in for a kiss and I yep. was like, oh, yeah, that's consent for a kiss. You let me touch the tips of your fingers. They barely touch. Her. And at that point, she hasn't slept in, like, no. weeks. So, like, I don't know. I was just so upset. I was like, this man, Paul, like, and he's supposed to be, like, you know, the good one in a way. Like, he's the one that you're like, oh, he's, like, her real friend. He wants to help her. But the more you watch, you're like, the whole time he is just like, I have to be with her. I have to be with her. I love her. I got to be with her. And it's like. Oh, you've built her up in your head so much that, like, you just... Yeah, he's in love with the idea of her and, like, seeing himself with her. Because, like, at one point, (sighs) you see his jealousy so clearly throughout, but, Uh like, they're on a couch. He's like, why'd you choose him? Referring to her passing the curse off to Greg. Right. And she was like, I thought he was tough enough. He wasn't scared. Like, she thought about it so hard, and she tried to get 
consent like throughout the entire thing but Greg didn't believe her and then Paul's like why'd you choose him right like it's not even like are you okay I'm really sorry that this has happened I'm really sorry that we just had to watch Greg get murdered but instead he's just like why didn't you have sex with me it's like oh Paul shut the fuck up yeah and something interesting about Paul is that there are so many like hints dropped to like a past Mm -hmm. and they pick up a lot of them and explain them like they talk about their first kiss being at the pool. Oh, you're right. And, yep. But he also says, like, man, we haven't had a sleepover here since, like, you know, you were this age or whatever. And she's like, there's a mm-hmm. reason, you know. And then awkward silence. And it's like, what exactly. did he do? And they made, know. A, they made a joke earlier. Like, it was either Yara or Kelly. And they were like, oh, you know, you're going to wake up and Paul's going to be humping your leg. And I was like, is that why he's not allowed over? <laughs> I know. They kept mentioning it. And I was like, Paul, like... I feel like he did something that was just accepted when he was, like, a little kid, which shouldn't have been. But, like, you know, like, it was just like, oh, that's Paul. He loves her. And it's like, I don't care. I don't care. Don't like, care. he, ugh. And then, and then he all, they, they mentioned him kissing her sister, Yes, too. I was about to say. It's like he couldn't have her, so he was like, well, I guess, like, what? Someone's related to you, so I guess I'll kiss them? Like, I don't know. Paul just drove me nuts just as much as everyone else. And I know he's this, like, knight in shining armor meant to save her. But I was I was done with Paul from the start. <laughs> yeah. I, fe- I feel like we are offered, like, a problematic view of him in several ways. So yeah. he's not, like, set up to be the hero. But no. he believes himself to be the hero. Right. I think that you're meant yeah. to believe that he believes yes. it. Like, he believes it so hard that it almost could be true in the movie. Like, you're watching it and you're like... Maybe, but they've dropped so many of these little hints that if you just pay attention enough, you're like, this man is not a hero. No. Because, like, spoiler alert, they do have sex. Like, they they pass it along to each other and, and everything, and they're walking down, you know, the sidewalk, the end scene, holding hands with, like, people around them, and you don't know who's who, you don't know who has it at that point. So it's like, did he save the day? Like, no, I mean, not really. Like, they're stuck with each other now. And you have to like that ambiguous ending. Yeah, the ambiguous ending. It You don't know really how long it's been. You don't really know who's got it. So something that I think is really important to point out about Paul right before that scene, you uh-huh. see him in the car driving through mm. past street sex workers. Oh, that and, I wrote that down. Yeah, and that's actually one of the tropes that I wrote down where it's the disposable sex worker trope because like yeah. you know that he didn't tell them and you right. also know that they hear a lot of weird shit from people. So, like, if he did tell them, they wouldn't believe it, and he would know they wouldn't right. believe him. So it's like, again, lack of consent. It, I wrote, did they actually pass to a sex worker? I hate that. Yeah. Like, it was so infuriating, because that's the, you're back to the same exact thing from the beginning, where it's like, I'll do what I have to do to get rid yeah. of this. I don't care what I have to do, like, who I have to ruin to do this. Like, Yeah. Uh, and I feel like that ties back in I might just be <laughs> the zany socialist, but I think that it really does tie into like the ideologies of capitalism where it's mm-hmm. killer be killed, everyone for themselves. And like oh, yeah. the men in the movie and later Jay, when she does that boat thing, that's really awful. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. I'll talk about that in a second. But yep. basically they're saying every person for themselves, that there is no working together. Like they do try right. to work together as a group. They do. They don't work together broadly. They work together as an insular group. Right. And, and I they don't succeed. <laughs> no, they do not succeed. Spoiler. Not at all. <laughs> uh, in case you couldn't tell, this will be full of spoilers. But yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry about it. Um, 
but essentially I think that it's kind of a reflection of a capitalist mindset where it's like, I'm going to screw you over to save myself. Whereas yeah. instead there could be a collective instead of individualistic. So what if you had like a group of people that were protecting each other and organizing right. to protect each other? And what I am suggesting is a fuck net where you just have a <laughs> network of people <laughs> that agree to have sex at different times and oh stagger it out so that they don't ever die. <laughs> I've never heard fuck net used so scholarly. Well, you um, know, TM, TM, TM. It's mine. <laughs> Trademark. Can't take it. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> I know you wanted it. You can't yeah. have it. I know that it's, you know, big IP, but it's mine. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. And and that's it. They don't, they never really, you never really see their parents. I've mentioned no. that in my notes as well. In the fact that, like, you see them a little bit, maybe in the beginning. One The one girl, I, I'm horrible with names, but the one girl, she gets shot. Yara. Like, straight up shot. Yara. Yara gets mm-hmm. shot in the leg, and you mm-hmm. never see her parents. You never see who gets her to the hospital, how she is, like, who takes care of her, what happens. You just see this group trying to fix things. Yep. And it not really going well. Like, all you do is see them, It's you know, it's every man for themselves in this capitalistic idea but also like even this group i mean this group was like well we'll help each other we don't need anyone else kind of thing it was very frustrating it was very frustrating to watch them just like not do well like (laughs) and to not really have any solutions outside of their group yeah and that's like a tenet of horror films is to like create a sense of isolation and desperation from that uh, and then you mentioned Yara, and this was okay. So I Yara. love, I love TVTropes.com. Uh, they're not sponsoring us; they should. But I absolutely adore. You know how you can go like down a Wikipedia hole where you just like yeah. page to page to page. I yes. can do that so easily with TV tropes because in each article, it can be like an article on the trope, and then it has a master list of um, like films it was in, mm-hmm. uh, TV shows. Like uh, books, podcasts, music. Oh my God. Okay. So (laughs) we're going to talk tropes. Are you familiar with the word trope? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 Uh, So basically each, like when I went to tvtropes.com, it follows, it gave a list of the tropes in the movie. And then you can like, it'll also say this can be similar to or mistaken for this trope. Uh, And I went through and I like, pulled some of my favorite from the list oh hell yeah (laughs) okay so the first one that i pulled was cat scare and it's like in a horror film where you know the tension is increasing and things are getting scary and the silence is deafening and then it's like a cat and you're like scared you're like oh it's just a cat but then it can also be like flipped on its head if after you're like oh it was just a cat and then the stabby stab person is behind you so right there are lots of ways to incorporate a cat scare. There's also the creepy child trope. And oh, that, that, <laughs> uh, death by sex. On that. Yeah. And it's like, well, this one was full of that. A. And then Ugh. disposable sex worker, which we did talk about. My favorite tropes is does not like shoes <laughs> because she's barefoot. She barefoot. <laughs> she's barefoot for a significant portion of the film. Like, listen. There are parts where I'm like, I get it. You had no time. You got to get out of there. Yeah. But it, at what point are you like, I'm just going to live in my shoes. Like, <laughs> just live in your shoes. Just, yeah. I mean, like, I got a pair of kids that, like, they're pretty comfy. Like, I could sleep in those bad yeah. boys. Just leave them on. It's like, I got to be ready just... to go at a moment's notice. 
She never had her shoes on. No. Oh my god. Then there's also the door handle scare. So, you know, like, where you're watching the door handle turn. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's just Yara. And then tall man with no eyes behind her. Oh my god. Okay. Speaking of, Mm -hmm. just real quick. Yeah. There was scary tall man. Okay. Yeah. And then there's creepy hissing child. Mm Mm-hmm. Who scared you more? I'm curious. Oh, my God. Which one? Because, like, if we're being honest, those are the two that are, I think are, like, the most significant. Yeah. They're so scary. So, like, if you had to choose, which one was just horrifying? I have my answer, and I'm curious. Okay. Is. So, I think if I were to be followed by one of them, I think yeah. I would prefer the tall man because he's easier to spot from a distance, and it's okay. harder for him to get through small doorways. Children there are go. really fast. They can be quiet when they want to, and they're unpredictable. Literally. <laughs> My answer is the same. I, I, I agree. <laughs> I had a lot less reasons. My reason literally was just, I did not like that kid's face. No. I did not like when he put his little face down mm-hmm. and did his little way. Like, like, I did not like that. Did he have sharpened teeth or did my mind put that in there because I was so scared of this I child? Think the, I think my mind, our minds may have put them in there. I don't think this kid looked that weird, but he was all crunched over and he like did his weird little hiss. I was super not into it. Like, the tall man, yeah, he's spooky. I get it. He scared me, you know, this time. But that kid, I forgot about that kid. Oh, my God. It gives me the heebie-jeebies just thinking about it. Because he's all crouched down. He's all skinny. He's got his little tank top on. Don't like it. Okay. I'm glad we're on the same page. I just wanted to get that out of the way. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's good that we agree that we would be chased by the same form of the entity. This is important for hosts. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, so door handle scare. There's also the drone of dread. In this case, it's the score. So I think, oh. yeah, the music. I I loved the music so much. Not only did it sound like a video game, which I already said, but it was just so good. And there were parts where the music was like really quiet. And then there were parts where it was like super loud. And it always was at the perfect moment. Like... I don't know. It was quiet at unexpected times. It was loud at unexpected times. It was just great. It highlighted whatever action was happening. I'm a sucker for good music. Like, once once you got good music in it, I'm like, I'm on board. You got me. Yeah. <laughs> like, and same with, like, lighting. I thought the lighting also looked very, like, video game-esque, where it almost looked like they were being lit by, like, headlights sometimes. It was, like, very... Very little amounts of, like, natural lighting in this movie, I feel like. I feel like it always looked a little different and weird and sometimes neon. I was in love with it. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I could go on and on about the lights. <laughs> Going back to the music, it just reminded me that, like, it had mm-hmm. that 80s synthy sound. Yes. And that was, you know, we talk about how this movie does not take place in a recognizable timeline. Uh-huh. And it's, like, purposely anachronistic. And one of those things is that it's also very nostalgic of the 80s. And that's yes. because that was, like, one of the golden ages of horror films. And, yeah. like, definite homages to Halloween. So, like, in the scene where she's in school, um, yep. that's a scene from Halloween, basically. And, yeah. like, when she's leaving and she's being followed. Uh, and then, like, the last scene where she and Paul are walking away, that's, like, done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, they had some great, great moments. Um, and the timelessness also, like. With my favorite thing, finding the products. <laughs> um, they only had a few. The only one I really noticed was the Coca Cola that they're drinking. Was it was it vanilla chip Coke or cherry Coke? I feel like it was. Or cherry, was it just regular Coke? Might, I don't okay, know. well they had like cans of Coke, and that was like the only product you really see throughout the whole movie. And even the cans that it was in didn't look 
like modern, but they didn't look that old. They did a great job with every little tiny thing being like, I really couldn't tell you what time period things were supposed to be. No. There were things that looked like they could be from the 80s. There were things that looked like they could have been from like the 70s. Yep. But then she's got that clam phone, which you know is like, <sighs> what is that? You're like, that's not old. The that's not new. Phone. Like, yeah. Ugh, the clam phone. The clam phone. <laughs> which is not a phone. Nothing's no. an e-reader. What did we call it? A, a C reader. reader. <laughs> a shell phone. Genius. Or a C reader. <laughs> a shell phone. Yeah, because like, all she does is read poems from it. So it's yeah. not a phone, but like I loved that. Yeah. They were just the weird, like not giving them phones, giving them this weird thing is just great. Added to it. Yeah. Ugh. Absolutely. And like I was trying, like this was the second time I was watching it. And <clears throat> I knew yeah. from the first time, like, okay, I'm going to really try to look out for clues on when this is. And like the cars that they're driving around in are like 80s station wagons. And yep. then there are some cars from like the 90s. And then they're always right. talking on corded telephones. Yes, which, so you never yeah. know. And then like their TVs are like the old style TVs. And the movies they're watching on those are, are decades old. before that. Ugh. And it, it was, yeah. It was just cool. They, they, so many things just led to being like, what when is this what is happening and then like you said with De- like it's, it takes place in detroit and with all the like the decline and it's supposed to look kind of run down so you know that like it can't be that modern like it, it it was it was interesting yeah man i could just keep getting stuck in like the time piece there was, i know uh, i know <laughs> there's, there's an, so many parts about this there's an interview with mitchell and like they're like where'd you get the idea for this and he was like well i had this recurring nightmare as a child Oh, God. And so it came partly from that, but then he also ties it into, like, wanting that timelessness, not just so that, like, it's not dated by, like, an old right. phone or something, but also Goose just jumped on the floor and it was like, a good bunk. My God, <laughs> My Goose. It's not even a big cat. <laughs> I know. But there's also, like, the idea that horror movies take place in an alternate reality like a dream. Where it's dream logic, oh. where yeah. you can't solve a problem in a dream because it's dream logic. Right. Yeah. Which, I mean, this did have a very dreamlike thing to it with yeah. like, the lighting, the music, everything. I mean, everything was very like, what is happening? <laughs> and may I just say, some of the best camera work that I've seen, there's a there's a shot, like a like a running shot where they are spinning around very slowly in the, the high school and they're trying to find Hugh. Love that and scene. information on Hugh. You see them go into the office and the camera really never stops moving and it circles around like the whole high school and you see everything. And then it just ends looking back at them in the office after getting the information they wanted. And I loved that. Like, it was great. It was just this like quick little shot of like establishing where they were without having to follow them and make it this static shot. They were like, we're going to keep moving. You you do you. And they'll know where you are because they watched you enter the office. And then we'll watch you come out of the office. And I and loved it. also so, see the entity in that scene. You do? Yeah. Oh God, you do. And Ugh. that's like another thing. So you've watched The Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor. Yes. So yeah. it's like upon rewatch in a dark room with a better TV than I had the last time, <laughs> I, I rewatch them so that I can find the hidden ghosts because there are like dozens oh, of hidden yes. ghosts, there like the plague doctor and such. And so I feel like watching It Follows a second time is like every scene where there's more than just them. I'm like, okay, the entity is somewhere. Yeah. Which is so funny that you knew to look for that because 
I would have been absolutely screwed if this had happened to me because not once did I pay attention to like other people. If it if this person wasn't like explicitly following her, I was like, must not be around. Like <laughs> I was just No like, screams, no problem. Exactly. I was like, nobody's screaming, nobody's upset. We're good. Like, and you're here like, oh, I saw it. And I was like, saw what? <laughs> like, like which just speaks to how different we truly are still. It's like the things we pay attention to are so, I was so into that camera like scene that I was like, oh, look, at I'm, they must be using such a cool camera. Like, this is so great. And you were like, there's the ghost. <laughs> and I, I love it. And like, <laughs> you really during, catch different things. <laughs> during that scene, I also wrote down like camera work, question mark, question mark, because I was like, I know this means something. I don't know what it means. I was like, Nikki'll get it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because it was just, I know, it's so great when I get really sucked in when movies can show establishing shots without having to just, like, stare at their main character. Because, like, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like it's nice when you can trust your audience to be like, I, you know where the main character is, we're going to show you other things, and you can focus on that while still knowing who is in focus in this. Like, yeah. we knew what they were doing. We knew that they were getting info. We didn't need to see them doing it. And it was great. Because then when you get the shot of the entity, like, I wouldn't have noticed that. Nobody would have if they had just been staring at them the whole time. So I think it's nice when you can trust your audience to be like, you figure this out. We'll We'll show you some more things. Like, it's good. It just reminded me of another scene that has a similar style where it's not like rotating in place, but it's showing a pan of the hospital rooms. And there are characters of color, but they don't have speaking roles. They're just people in the hospital. So I thought that that scene also showed kind of like a slice of life, but in like Mm -hmm. this really morbid way, because it's like everyone has a different reason for being in the hospital. Everyone was screwed over in a different way by the recession. Where it's like you're seeing different forms of suffering and then you see yeah. her specific. Right. And that's, yeah, another time where they're like, we know what the focus is here, but like, we can show you more and that's nice. Like, yeah, I always like that. Um, yeah. So, so do you want to hear some of the other tropes? Yes, I want to hear the other tropes. Okay. We're like halfway through the list. I have to readjust my legs. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. So, the end, or is it? And this refers to the ending. <laughs> or is it? <laughs> and then foreshadowing, um, just every which way. Monochrome yep, yep, casting, yep. which we've talked oh, about. Oh, boy, oh, boy. And then the motifs. Like, the motif of water is something that we've talked about, right. where it's, like, yep. connects to childhood and innocence. But it can also, this is harkening back to my AP English class, water can also be <laughs> symbolic baptism where oh. like um, in Song of Solomon, there's this like turning point in the story, if I'm remembering correctly, which I may not be because it's been like a decade, <laughs> but the main character is like caught in this torrential downpour and it's like a turning point for him. And so like that's a baptism and like a rebirth. Oh, interesting. But then there are also ironic baptisms where it's like Eustacia Vi in mm. – um, it's not Wuthering Heights. I'll remember it in a minute, but it's another like period piece that is kind of similar. But yeah. Eustacia is like this very unlikable character, which is probably tied up in a lot of gender stuff. But uh, she like drowns. And so that's an ironic baptism. And so oh, like fuck. there are a lot of different ways to like view water. And I find yeah. it interesting to kind of start with that one 
because like in one of the first scenes like she's swimming before her date with Hugh and it's like this very childhood thing and then after the scene where she ostensibly has sex with the guys on the boat she comes home and the pool is destroyed like one entire wall of the pool has been like collapsed and it's like emptied and it's like oh this is lost innocence and this is like a foreclosure on rebirth this is potentially a moral event horizon and then she leaves i mean that that pool is destroyed Mm -hmm. where she like you know spent so long being i I thought like it was like her safe place because she loved that pool and then they go to another pool Mm -hmm. that she went to as a kid like they go to another pool where she's like oh yeah we haven't been here since we were kids like they basically just go to another place where she can be like well this is where i was as a kid this is where i felt safe like that was interesting. And yeah, that it's is really interesting. Complicated again because the entity in that form takes on the form of her father. Her father. And yeah, I know. There are like hints at certain points that he may have been abusive. And so yeah. it's like this again, like lost childhood where it's not exactly Ugh. the end of innocence, but it was like a childhood right. loss that she never got to have because of abuse or whatever. Uh, interesting. And this is not to say whatever to abuse at all. Um, no. So the motif of water. And then. <laughs> plucky comic relief is yara because yara <laughs> she could literally be removed from the movie and nothing would change plot wise oh no like she gets like, shot in one scene but even that could be taken out like she has no it really bearing. didn't change anything yeah and i i love yara <laughs> but i love Yara. she does read some cool poems yeah. i'll give her that i loved her poems but like could have been read by anybody yep. really but like without her i mean you don't get those moments that are like kind of great. Like she's got some moments where you're like, oh, fart joke. I needed a, yeah. You're like, I needed a moment. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's good. So listen, if I was in a movie, I I've come to terms with it. I know I would be the comic relief. I'm the Yara of every horror movie. You could take me out. It wouldn't make a goddamn difference, but you'd miss it. <laughs> like, I think if I were in a horror movie, I would be the person that is aware that shit's fucked, but does not solve it. <laughs> And does not survive. I am not final girl material. Where it's like, I'm like, ah, shit, this is what's happening. And I am helpless to stop it. We are on this train. I am not driving it. You're like, you would be like final girl by accident. Like, you'd be like, oh, no, like, I'm still here. Like, (laughs) oh, God. Not planned for this. (laughs) Pulls out spreadsheet. (laughs) You'd be like, I took notes. <laughs> like, okay. It's like I'm so busy in a different room taking notes, and like the oh, slasher God. happens in the other room. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not that like you know you make it by pure no. like you know adrenaline or anything like that. It's like I was taking notes. I yeah. forgot you were here, man. Like, so I was quietly in the corner with the book. He didn't notice I was there. <laughs> Whereas I'm just absolutely screaming, making loud jokes, and they're like, "Well, we're gonna kill you first I'm like, "That's understandable." <laughs> I respect uh, your first move. <laughs> yeah, like I was like, totally get it. Would have done the same. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Yara was great. I mean, we needed. I, I'm not saying every movie needs a comic relief. That's you know, you don't, you really don't. But I did like that this had one because they're teens. You can't expect them to be serious. I feel like if you didn't have Yara, it would have been a little less. Not that this movie is believable, but a little less believable <laughs> in their ages. Because like you're meant to believe that they're like what 15, 16, or I guess 18, 19, right? Maybe she's in college. Okay, so yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're meant to believe they're like 19 years old. Yeah. You're not gonna have like five kids that are all just super serious so having that one that's like uh, an absolute goober is great because like yep. that makes it a little more believable yep 
So we have our plucky comic relief, Yara. Right. And then there's also the rewatch bonus, which we've talked about already. Which we talked about, yeah. Sex is Evil, which is a kind of repeat of the Death by Sex, but just a remix on it. Right. And then Trauma Swing is literally the name of one of them. Oh my god. And it's so true. She does, doesn't she? Yeah. She goes to that swing. She goes to the swings. That loss of innocence, that childhood. Yeah. This movie's full of it. So there were like so many more tropes on that site, but uh, (laughs) I only pulled those because they were the ones that I also picked out as I was going and also I thought were fun. (laughs) And also, yeah, I was like, once you say them, you're like, oh, yep, that's obvious. Like, (laughs) like the no shoes thing. Like, I didn't realize it at first until you said it. And I was like, oh my God, you're right. Like, she never had shoes. Ever. Like, (laughs) why did she not wear shoes? (laughs) Ugh. She had, she had so much time. Just put them on. I understand once or twice, but like the whole movie, come on. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think we've really covered all of it. It's even though we've like really dissected it and done all this. I mean, I still liked it. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those movies that like it has its flaws. I totally get that, but it is still a very good movie. Yeah, it really is. I mean, if I were forced to rate this. I would probably give it 4.5 clam phones out of out five. Of five. Out of five clam I was gonna phones. I I would probably give it like four to five. And honestly, a lot of that comes from lighting, camera work, and music mm. for me because they were so good. Like, the plot itself is great. I get that. It's amazing. But it's it was really just the, the atmosphere they created with the music yeah. and uh, the sound and like everything. Really I, just was great. I think I'd give it like a five for the like strength of the symbolism and metaphor yeah yeah but then like a three for the like continuity of the rules for the entity because they say that it's really smart and that it always takes like the shortest route but then it does things that just like don't make sense (laughs) i feel like yeah the entity was a little bit like an afterthought for being such a big part of the movie. They were kind of like, eh, we'll get to that. Like, <laughs> it's yep. fine. I mean, listen, they did make him spooky. That stupid little kid in the tank top oh is going to haunt me kid. forever. So, even though, even with the continuity errors, I, I'm still yeah. scared of it. Oh, you for sure. Me. Yeah. But yeah, I would say the same thing. Without, if it didn't have such amazing, like, atmosphere and everything, I, I probably would give it less. Mm hmm. But it does take you to a dreamlike place. Like, it really does. And I know that's what he wanted to do. So, like, hats off to you, man. Yeah. You really did it. It was very weird. Having no time period. Yeah. Uh, having all of that. It really was great. You feel like you're in a real- Ooh, reality bubble. Like, a separate like, invented reality. Like, I watched it and it really took me out of everything else that was happening. Because it just had nothing to remind me of anything else. Because yeah. I was like, I don't know what this is. Yeah. So yeah, I would say the same thing. Four out of five clamshell phones, seashell. What do we call it? Sea readers. Sea phone. What the fuck? <laughs> Shell phone, sea reader, clam dolls. I think you said clam dolls. <laughs> I did say clam doll at one point. Oh, didn't the I? cursed clam doll. Kindle, but with a because that's all it was was a clam Kindle. A clam doll. Oh my god. Four point five out of five clam dolls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 4.5 out of 5 clam dolls. Uh, I would honestly watch again. Yeah. I've been listening to the soundtrack, can't lie. Uh, mm. I love it a lot. I've had it on, like, repeat for a little bit now. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that on It Follows, I think. Yeah, and I'm definitely going to rewatch at some point. Not this week, not next week. Probably, like, next year to be like, okay, when did I, I miss the say, entity I was like, again? 
I'm going to rewatch it tonight. <laughs> oh my God. Honestly, I might rewatch that one scene just to be like, did I really miss the entity in my favorite shot? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like really the one that I paid attention to so much. I was so excited that I didn't see the monster. I, I mean, it looks like people like, <laughs> okay, wait, I had a question yeah. though, real quick before we go. Mm-hmm. What's the, how often was it naked? <laughs> was naked a lot like at one point a lot okay so at one point people think it's her grandpa and it's standing naked on the roof of her house yes it is and like why i that was another thing and we don't have to get into it because i know that's the battle that follows follows (laughs) but um naked it was naked a lot you know and i couldn't tell if there was significance to when it was naked to when it wasn't you're, it's naked when you first see it. Yeah. And that's it's naked uh, it's a grandpa. Hugh's mom when they first yes, see it. Yes, Hugh's mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, gross. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then when it's like, you know, people you know, it, it looks to be clothed. When it was the scary boy it had on that little tank top. <laughs> you really fixated on the tank top. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is about this tank top that really gave me the creeps. Had that kid not had a shirt on, honestly, I would have been like, whatever. But for some reason, his nasty little tank top is haunting me more than anything else. Get out of here with your Whatever. nasty little tank top. Get your nasty little tank top out of here, you little hissing kid. I don't need this <laughs> in my life. And you know what? I think the tall man had a tank top too. Man. So he may have had a t-shirt, but mm. either way. Yeah. Still, and Jason. I'm all in a tank top. I think I might just be scared of tank tops. This is valid. I got a thing with them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was that. I mean, I liked it a lot. Would watch again. Would watch again. So, yeah. Would watch again. So those are our thoughts on It Follows. Great movie. Go watch it if you haven't watched it. If you listen to this without watching it, that was fun. That, I'm <laughs> sure this has been a wild ride for you. Rip your brain. Um, <laughs> yeah, honestly. Uh, I think everything, all of our social media, what we have Instagram, Twitter, I think uh, Just Cool With It on both of those, mm-hmm. at Just Cool With It. Uh, we have Patreon. I believe if you search Just Cool With It as well, it'll come up, yeah. And then our, our website, Just Cool With It podcast. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. Just cool with it. Pod. Yep. <laughs> dot com. We're new. We're figuring it out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah. And um, I think the website is where you're going to post all your notes, right? Yes. Like you're, So if you want to see Kate's like longer version of her notes, please go read them because I'm sure they are amazing. It's I, a, no one takes notes like you. <laughs> it's riveting if you want to see three pages of citations that are almost APA but are not because I insist on putting someone's full name instead of their initials i just want you know what maybe we'll take a picture of my notes as a contract because i think at one point all i wrote was this music is juicy (laughs) comparatively we take great notes here i mean Um, i all i just you know so yeah if you want to see those notes I, i highly recommend it go read those and uh you know stay spooky stay scary and Come back next week. Stay spooky, stay scared. <laughs> stay spooky, stay scared. <laughs> stay Don't... scared. The world is scary. <laughs> Don't do stay that. Stay <laughs> scared. Everything's upsetting. And also, you can find that seashell phone. Send me one. Oh, okay. I want one. Great. See you play. Yeah, oh, send us two. Thank you. It's an old makeup compact. What? Yeah. Okay, someone make me this. Thank you. <laughs> send it to me. I'll give you my address. DM me on Twitter. Um, make it for me. Make one for Kate. And if you don't, why? Why didn't you? Why didn't you? Why didn't you? We were very clear about what we wanted. I don't really see what happened. It's like you don't even like us, guys. Come on. God.
It's like right, you don't bye. even care. God, bye. <laughs> I'm ending it on that. <laughs> And that was It Follows. Uh, we had an absolute blast recording this. I hope that everyone enjoyed listening. This was our first episode and it was so fun. If you liked it, you can review us on Apple Podcasts. We have a Twitter and an Instagram and we're at Just Ghoul With It. We also have a website where Kate will post all of her extended show notes. And that is JustGhoulWithItPod.com. And you can also support us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash JustGhoulWithIt. Uh, speaking of, we want to thank our patrons, Kim, Kelly, and Nihar. Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate you being with us. Uh, and we're absolutely thrilled to have you. And uh, we'll see you next week. I'm Nikki. And I'm Kate. All right. Well, where do we go from here? <laughs> <laughs> and today man? we'll be talking about kids. <laughs> if we just did the intro and then we were like, well, let's call it a day.